Good morning, everyone. We're going to do something today that we don't do very often, and that's talk about God. <laughs> Honestly, though, if you really examine what goes on in most churches, we don't really talk about God very often. I mean, we talk about some of the things that God does or some of the things that God's capable of. Do you know what I mean? Well, we'll talk about divine love or we'll talk about a, a quality of God like joy or something like that. But how often in a church do we actually talk directly about God? Well, today we're going to get started. We're going to give it a try. Maybe we'll find out why we don't very often do that. I don't know. We'll keep an open mind. But first of all, I, first of all, I think that introductions are in order. So first of all, did you know that God had a first name? Billy comes home from school filled with excitement. We got to know God better today in Sunday school, says Billy. Well, that's nice, says his dad, reading the newspaper. We're friends now, says Billy, and I can call him by his first name. Billy's father's kind of smiling now and asks, okay, Billy, what's God's first name? Howard. <laughs> I can call him Howard. Now, Billy, Howard's not God's name. Sure it is, says Billy. We learned it right in prayer at Sunday school. Our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. <laughs> there. <laughs> now you've been introduced. <laughs> well, there are some things that pretty much everyone agrees about God, I think. And, and, and I want to try this on for size and see if you do agree. All the world's major religions will agree that there are three characteristics that, that describe God fairly well. One is omnipresent, meaning that God is everywhere, that you don't have to wait for some elusive heaven or you don't have to uh, go to church or, uh, or anything like that to experience God, that God is simply everywhere present. So that's one thing that most of the world's religions agree on. The second one is that God is omniscient or all-wise, that uh, um, there's nothing outside of the scope of God. So, um, you know, you might feel you're good at keeping secrets, not from God, not if, not if there is that idea of om omniscient. Well, yeah, it's, this is important. We need to know these things, Linda. Uh, so, so, you know, there's no on the QT, there's no what, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. God, God knows everything. Okay, and the world's religions in general agree with that as well. And the, the last one is that God is omnipotent, uh, that there is that sense of God that is all-powerful, that, that in fact every power that you can think of or, or name ultimately comes from that one power called God. So these things, I think, the world's religions are relatively in agreement about. Okay, now, now comes the monkey wrench in the works. So how does that work? And here is where a lot of scientists simply say, I'm an atheist. Because when you try in a mechanical way to explain how all that could happen, you start running into problems, right? So, so if God is everywhere, what does that look like? How can God be everywhere? Is he like looking over my shoulder? What do you mean God is everywhere? Does that mean they're nanny cams? Do you, do, do you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, here we are in the, inf in the information age, and so, so we've kind of become technologically astute. But, but if God is like, quote, watching, or if God's aware of everything, you know, how does that work? How is this transmitted? 
And if God is all wise, if every idea, every thought is part of God, then when you have an idea, how do you inform the higher authorities so that they'll, they'll be aware of it too? Do you know what I mean? It's like, how does this happen? And scientists will tell you, you know, Larry, you can talk as much as you want, but there's no way that some communication device exists that can be everywhere at one time and seeing everything and listening into everything at once. You know, there's faster than light issues. There's all kinds of communications through the ether issues. You know, you can't just wire up everything so that God is on the QT at every single moment. It just doesn't work that way. And so that's where scientists will tend to say, eh, you know, we'll leave that for church, but in the real world, you can't do those things. Well, now here, let me take the monkey wrench back out of the works then, because in science of mind, we have, um, if you will, an explanation for this, that even the scientists will say, oh, well, if you define it that way, maybe so. So the way we define God is that God is all those things. Not that God is listening in on us, but God is the communication that we are. Not that God is everywhere present in some disembodied way, but very much an embodied way. God is everywhere because everywhere there is something, that is God. We believe that God is everything. And we mean it in a, both figuratively and literally. In fact, if you go back to, again, scientifics, if you, if you go back to like the Big Bang, if God is that Big Bang, well, what did it create the universe out of? Out of itself. And so literally, we're made out of God's stuff. The, the chairs in this room are our own thoughts and impressions. The, the furniture, the, you know, the universe itself is a God creation made out of God's stuff. Truly, God is everything. And so you don't have to worry about, well, how, do, how does God know what I'm thinking? Because literally your thoughts are part of God's thoughts. They don't have to go anywhere. It's not the case of having to climb in, you know, up a mountain and into a cave to try to find God after 30 years of meditation or something. Wherever, sitting in your chair right now, God is there because you are there. The intelligence of the universe is part of your intelligence so, so prayer, you know, sometimes people have this idea when they pray, right? That it's like a telegraph kind of thing. Like I'll pray and if I'm really intentional and, and you know, God will, well, of course God's going to hear you because God's as close as your own voice. You two are part of God. Now we're not individually gods, don't get me wrong. You know, sometimes people think that the science of mind is the sort of megalomaniac uh, religion because listen to them on Sunday, they talk about being being God. Well, no, we're not gods. But what I am saying, there is that spark of the divine in each one of us. We're made out of God's stuff. Our thoughts are part of the one mind, part of God's mind. Now, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. I mean, a again, don't get me wrong. Sometimes uh, some of the thoughts I have, I would find uh, difficult to imagine that God is having them in that bigger sense. But in a factual sense, in the science of mind, we define God as everything. So there's no problem with it, you know, transmitting or, or watching or being present or any of those things because everywhere you are, that is God too. 
It is the very nature of our existence to be immersed in and part of God. Now, why is this important, do you think? It's important to me for a couple reasons. For one, it's a lot easier for me to have a personal relationship with something that isn't like on a cloud somewhere. Do you know what I mean? A lot of us have that idea of God kind of left over from childhood, like it's the bearded guy you know, on the cloud in the golden chair kind of thing. Or, or maybe even if we were in, maybe brought up in an alternative religion and not Christianity, then maybe it's the goddess that we think of. But still we have this image of Gaia or whatever it might be. And it, it kind of, I think it creates a little bit of a separation. It's like, well, there's me, and then somewhere... You know, somewhere, well, else is understood, right? <laughs> it's not just somewhere, but somewhere else is God. And so my prayers have to somehow reach, you know, wherever they need to go, and my intentions have to be clear. Oh, and then there's also that little problem about the feedback loop, too, isn't there? Because so many of our ideas of God when we were children were that God is judging us and, and deciding the merits of our case. And maybe I'll answer that prayer, but not that one, because you've been bad. Well, all of that just gets cleaned up and kind of thrown out, if you will, when we recognize that literally our prayers are part of God to begin with because we are part of God to begin with. And so when we have a prayer from our heart, when we recognize that that power of God is also in us, when we recognize that in the affairs of humankind, God shows up as the hands and the hearts and the minds of other humans, then the story kind of changes a little bit. I don't have to meditate for eight years and go to a cave to seek God because God's right here. I don't need to worry about saying my prayers just right or loudly enough or with enough intention because God knows what my intention is because my intentions are part of God. It cleans up a lot of this wishing and hoping around God because you don't need to wish and hope for something that is guaranteed and so that's a, that's part of my message today is that God is a, a guarantee if you define God as everything and it's the basis really of science of mind you know if I only did one Sunday talk a year it would have to be this one because everything else is based on it our prayers are based on the idea that God is fully present and fully powerful no matter who you are, no matter what your past has been like, no matter how you show up, your prayer is powerful because it's centered right in God. It doesn't have to go anywhere. Doesn't have to, you don't have to have anything figured out. The full force and power of God is there to support your prayer because hopefully you are there to support your prayer as is everyone else. This is so important. And I think that a lot of the Sunday talk, if you will, around God is more about undoing than it is doing. Because it's so easy for me to say God is all there is. There, I've said it again. And yet, and yet, it's right in here that we get really wonky. It's right in here that, that we start thinking, well, maybe that's true for Larry, but, 
But you know what? My life doesn't feel like it's much having to do with God at all. And I, I really think that based on some of the things I've done in the past and some of the ways I've been, that I'm not really deserving of the, the love and the glory and the power that God is. That, that yeah, uh, in some intellectual way, I might be part of God, but I'm going to just be like this. And I think those are the messages largely that we get about what God is like or what the divine is like in our childhood ideas and our childhood messages. You know what? It's time to grow up. A friend of mine was uh, talking uh, to me recently about her experiences uh, with her grandchild uh, over the, the Christmas holiday. And, uh, and I love the story that she told me. She said, well, on Christmas Eve, he came up to me and he said, Grandma, I really need to know how it is that the reindeer can fly. And oh my God, she knew she was in for trouble. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like now we're getting really specific, not about the existence of Santa Claus or where the presents come from, from but no, I want like the scientific basis for reindeer flying. And she's like, oh gosh, how do I deal with this one? But she thought a minute, and she looked at him, and she said, well, it's just magic. And he was totally okay with that. <laughs> right? It's like, well, so much of life is magical. I don't need to know how everything works. It just works, and that's fine. Okay. I think it's time for us to go beyond just taking it at face value, though. I think it's time for us, as we've grown up in our own experience of God and our own experience of life, to be able to do a little testing here and to not just think that God is magic. And so part of your homework, if you will, for this week, and in fact for this month, is really to develop a better idea of God, to have your own particular personal idea of what God is like in your own life. And the good news is, I'm not here to tell you what it is. Each of you, in fact, I suspect, will end up with a little bit different idea of what God is like and a little bit different personal way of going about this. Some of you may be great meditators, and that's an excellent way to learn more about God. Some of you may enjoy um, reading about God or, or reading self-help books, and that's a way of learning more about God. Some of you may be uh, prayerful and, uh, and, and take yourselves into prayer every day, and, and I think that's a great way to get closer to God. But what I do know is that even in that telephone bill, <laughs> God is fully present. And I can pick on him because he's one of the practitioners, honestly. It's, it's fine. <laughs> but what I do know is that each of us can get a more powerful idea for God, about what God is if we take the time to do it. So, the, And the place, as I mentioned to start, is to maybe... Take a look at some of those early ideas of what God is. Were those real images of God to you? Or were they kind of a child's vision of, of some human superhero kind of thing? Do you know what I mean? Because for so many religions, when you go to, to Bible school or, 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 or Sunday school or whatever it is, so many of the tales... Um, 
portray God as kind of like a superhuman, you know, and, and whether it's a guy on a cloud or whether it's just the powerful nature of God, it's usually portrayed in very human terms. And those are useful, I think, for children. I think it's helpful to portray some of that so that, that children, you don't just say, well, God is unknowable because it's infinite. You know, ch children don't like that so much. <laughs> How am I supposed to know something that's unknowable and infinite, right? And so we, we begin building some of those things as children and that's fine but now it's time to have an adult understanding of what God is really like to each one of us so that's what I wish for this week that's what I wish for a beginning in this new year is that each one of us gets in touch with our higher power whatever you want to call it You'll also notice in Science of Mind that we try to be gender neutral, like I'm not saying my father who art in heaven and, and things like that, right? Because God doesn't have a sex. Or, or if you'd rather think of it, God has all the sexes. <laughs> God is truly everything, right? And so we try to dispense with the gender pronouns. We try to, we try to not put a human face on the infinity that is the divine. Because when we do that, we're so limiting God. When we begin giving God human motives and human ways of being and human reactions, then we're just setting ourselves up for disappointment. Then we start asking questions like, well, why was there a, a hurricane in, in, in the Caribbean? Why would God do that? You know, here's this lovely couple. Why did they break up? You know, here's this, uh, this young child that didn't make it into school or whatever. You know, why would God do something like that? Because God isn't a human. God's motives are unknowable in terms of, uh, of humanness. And more than that, God's motives are are an extension of our motives because we are part of the divine. So the human part of God, it's right in this room. We don't need to picture it in the sky. We don't need to imagine that it takes some other form. The human part of God is in the humans, is in the humanity. And it is about this big. And God is about this big. I got a laugh from people at the first service because I said, you know, of course, there are people on Alpha Centauri on Sunday school right now that are waggling their antennas and speaking in some undecipherable language, and they are just as much God as we are. You know, we, we think we have this idea of what God is, and we don't even have the vaguest glimmer of the infinity that is God in all of its living forms throughout not even just this galaxy, but, but the multitude of galaxies out there. I was reading a scientific journal not too long ago that now they have scientific proof of up to 14 different dimensions. I'm still struggling, struggling with the 3D glasses when I go to the movies. <laughs> and, and they're telling me there's 14 dimensions now. We don't have a clue. And that's okay. What we can have a clue about is the personal relationship that each one of us takes with our higher power. And the stronger we develop that, the, the closer we feel to it, the more powerful we become, the more life's troubles smooth themselves out. When we recognize that God is always on our side because God is our side, when we recognize that the wisdom of the universe is on tap for us, when we recognize that there is love and love and oh, and there's love, always, if we can accept it, it makes all the difference. 
I'm going to close today with a, a brief quote from Ernest Holmes. He says, The study of science of mind is a study of the first cause of spirit, of mind, of that invisible essence, that ultimate stuff, that intelligence from which everything comes. It is the power back of creation. It is the thing itself. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It's everything, it's every person, it's every song, it's, it's this place, it's the, every galaxy, it's everything that's seen and everything that's unseen. All of this, in, in whatever name you want to call it, is the thing itself. Whether it be God or, or Allah or Jehovah or the goddess, it is that thing, all-powerful, all-wise, ever-present God. And what I know is that because God made all of this out of itself, that it means me too. That in my heart and in my mind and that my spirit is part of the divine. That my thoughts are part of universal mind. That, that my heart is part of universal love. That the beingness and the doingness of me is God at work in the world. And as it is true for me, it's inescapable. It's true of everyone in this room, everyone beyond this room, every entity in the, in the pan-universe is also God. And it's so powerful. It's so connected. It is so amazing. I know that as we move forward in this month, we're going to learn more about our personal connection to God. We're going to learn some spiritual tools for approaching this thing, the thing itself. And I know above all that that closer walk with God belongs to each person in this room. It's as near as our breath. It's as warm as our own heart. It is as beautiful as the face looking back at us in the mirror every day. And I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for recognizing God in all and as all. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you.